Hello everyone, I'm back after a week off from the Winged It F1 podcast and as usual I'm with Adam Dickinson and Freddie Coates for a roundup, I guess, of the latest news in F1 after the season finale in Abu Dhabi. Yes, the season may have ended but there's been plenty of talking points since uh, the race. Max Verstappen crossed the, crossed the finish line in Yas Marina on Sunday. Uh, first big news is that Sergio Perez is going to drive for Red Bull in 2021 with Alexander Albon who I love obviously is he has been dropped to that has been now made reserve driver for next year as well as a test driver uh yeah I think this is going to be a big talking point for us how are you guys doing first I've just remembered I forgot to ask you that <laughs> That's I'm, all right. I kind of, I thought you were just going to go straight into the Perez news, yeah, to be honest. I didn't, did. I didn't did. think you were going to stop. Um, yeah, I'm good, to be honest. It's, it feels like there's more to talk about than there was before Abu Dhabi, really, or <laughs> Bahrain or lots of the other races this season. So, yeah, it's been quite an interesting week for F1. And, yeah, looking forward to talking about all of it, starting with the Albon and Perez news. Yeah, I'm... It's it's amazing how we're still getting this buzz from F1. You kind of think, oh, it's flat when the season finishes in Abu Dhabi. And you think, well, there we go. That leaves me to not really worry about much until um, the New Year till testing kicks off again. But it's like F1 doesn't stop with the news, does it? And I'm, I'm, I'm still pretty, pretty excited from everything that's happening. There's been so much going on this week. You say F1 yeah. doesn't stop with the news. About mid-January, when all there is is car livery reveals going on, I think then... <laughs> then it might be a bit more of a challenge, but yeah. Yeah, a lot has happened, but uh, yeah, there is confirmation as we speak that Perez will be at Red Bull for next year. Is this the right thing for Red Bull, do you think? Adam, let's start with you. Yes and no. I think yes in in the current situation. I, I don't think it's what they would have wanted. I think their big USP kind of since coming into F1 has been that, you know, they do kind of promote from within. It's, you know, a, a project throughout the whole of motorsport, really, or the whole of open cockpit, single-seater motorsport. But on the flip side, they've not got a driver within their system who is capable of delivering what they need to. Um, so... You know, I think in in the current situation that they're in with the drivers they've got, with Albon not being able to make his mark at all, really, over the season and a half that he's had in the team, I think, yeah, it's the right decision, hopefully just for the short term, because I do think they do a great job of kind of promoting new talent within the sport. But, yeah, right decision for the moment. Yeah, I agree. Um, Sorry, yeah, no, I'm just, yeah, I agree. I think, um, like Adam said, Albon hasn't really been able to, offer up the goods that Rebel have required from them and it's all well and good people saying it was the same for Gasly it's all about the car well what they need then is a driver who can drive that car and Albon and Gasly both couldn't drive that car so maybe Perez can because Perez is a performer who has been able to do fantastic things in the majority of the machinery he's been in in Formula 1 in, and he's proven that over uh, since 2011 over 10 seasons basically so I think Rebel haven't taken a punt by signing Perez uh, they have secured a one-year deal with a very solid dri- race-winning driver, which is the first driver since Mark Webber, I think, to be part of Red Bull's program from outside of the program. They obviously had talks with Hamilton in 2013 and 
and um, Alonso has pretends to be have spoken to them pretty much every week. But apart from that, um, it's a big move for them as a company to do this. Um, do this move. Is it the first race yeah, winner um, from Vettel to sign for the team? I think you're right. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, because it's not Since Fiat, Vettel, yeah. Gasly, yeah, yeah. That's Coulthard was and Vettel were the only race winners yeah. to have been signed by Red Bull. Yeah, I mean, he literally just won a couple of weeks ago somehow, but you know, <laughs> he could get more wins next next year, which would be incredible. And for Perez, I think it's good in a way because he's only thirty, and if he did go out of F one. I don't think it would be right because I think he's more than he's, you know more than capable to still be on the grid. Um, for me, I just want to see the best drivers possible in the best cars, and Perez is an upgrade on Albon, I, I think. So, yeah. and I, I fully expect Perez to be closer in every single department. So I think it's better better for it's great for Perez. Great for Red Bull. Uh, I think it's good for the sport as well because I think Verstappen might now get pushed next year. What do you, what do you guys think on that? I think I would just say that it is a bit of a risk. Maybe less so because it doesn't look like he had tons of other options on the table. Although I don't know how the chronology went, whether he kind of had Red Bull. He was pretty in on Red Bull and that meant he turned down offers from other teams or whatever. But I do think, you know, if he goes in if he goes in and does get kind of decently beaten by Verstappen, you know, it, it could it could be quite a negative thing kind of mentally, I guess, for coming onto the grid, you know, with another team or, or whatever. But, you know, equally, this kind of seemed like the last chance for him to stay on the grid. And I think, yeah, as, as you've said, it's having the best drivers in the best cars is always what we want in F1. And we've got that at the moment and yeah I do I think if you can get some competition going for Albon you know that uh, sorry Verstappen that can only be a good thing yeah he's um he's he's been candid about speaking about options he had for 2022 as well so I think he's already looking for the future of not being with Red Bull I think he even he, he's very um circumspect and very honest with the fact with what he's been saying and I think He's a clever guy. He knows realistically this is a stopgap for Red Bull as much as it is now realistically a really good opportunity, but also a stopgap for him for the future of F1, his future in F1. So I think for Perez, it's he's just got to grab the bull by the horns, if you will, um, and do the best he can. And if, it, 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 yeah, you're right. It's a bit make or break for him, really, because I don't think, I think it, Hulkenberg said he would expect to be within three tenths of Verstappen, I think. So I think Perez is probably going to be going in with that kind of goal. Yeah. Yeah, and Red Bull have lost Aston Martin as a title sponsor as well, so Perez will bring in that extra money. And also Red Bull tend to go well in Mexico. So imagine a Mexican home win for Perez in the Red Bull. That would be brilliant. Well, that's 10 months down the line. Yeah, that would be excellent. I know. That would be one of the best F1 moments of the decade, really, of the century or what, you know. I think of, of recent memory, having that would be, you know, it'd be on a par with Lewis winning at Silverstone in 08 or something mm. like that. That podium you know. in the Forasol Stadium with Sergio <laughs> Perez on it would be, he wouldn't get off it. <laughs> he would just, he would, be, he would be the DJ for the next two or three hours in that stadium. 
And I think that would be the best thing to happen at that Grand Prix. I don't think that Mexico Grand Prix wouldn't be able to top it. And then, um, yeah. Quick. At what point then, kind of, yeah, it's it completed itself as a, <laughs> as a thing. But I think, I guess before I was just thinking about Perez at McLaren and how that kind of damaged his, you know, fairly or unfairly, it did damage his career. And it took a while to kind of build up to a level that he had at Sauber before he went to McLaren. So I think that's just kind of the only worry I have for him because, you know, he's a class act and I do want to see him on the grid for years to come, not just this year to come. Yeah, the way he rebuilt himself after that McLaren year, which wasn't as, as, a, as bad as it's remembered, but wasn't good with him in terms of team relationship and stuff like that. And he was very young. He was about 22, 23. He's the same age as Albon is probably now, actually. Um, and Perez, he had a rough time of it, but he regrouped and he came back and look at where he is now. And I think that's what Alex Albon probably needs to look at, really, to sort of think, yeah, I've been kept on as a testing reserve driver to... Um, which is a really good role for Red Bull. They need an experienced driver to be focusing on 2022, which is what they've got now in the background. They've got an ex a, as experienced as you can be Formula One driver focusing entirely on a 2022 car, which is what Red Bull need um, if they want to get a jump. And I think Albert just needs to look at that and go, okay, he had a bad season then, and now he's just taken my seat. So if he can stay, if Albert can stay pally with a few people and he can get a seat again, he really needs to look at that and focus on how he can regroup. Do you think Albon, so is it right that he's not on the grid next year at Adam, do you think, or, or is this, no? It's a, it's a tough one. I think in the same way that when Gasly was at Red Bull, his stock dropped massively. It's the same with Albon, but he was really strong in his first year and I think, I think that shouldn't be forgotten. I think there is still still some of that in it in there. So I, I definitely think he'd, I think there's a strong possibility he'd improve some of the lower, you know, lower order teams on the flip side. There's quite a few drivers who probably should be on the grid and his performances over the last year probably haven't warranted that drive, maybe. So I, I think it would be a massive shame for his F1 rear to finish like this because I do think he has a he has more to offer to the sport. But, you know, maybe a year out is the best thing for him. Yeah, his early 2019 season in Toro Rosso was excellent. He came in and was on Kvyat's pace. And Kvyat's... Um, at that stage, yeah, he'd been out of F1 for a year. But in Toro Rosso, at, when in his other stint at Toro Rosso in 2014, when he just came in, he was really good as well. So Kvyat is a fast driver. And when he puts it together, that album was able to keep with him. Um, Hockenheim stands out as one of... He was driver of the day for me in Hockenheim, I think for quite a few people. He was mm. fantastic. He was running fourth before any... Like, behind Hamilton, Verstappen and Bottas, pretty much. Fourth or fifth. And that was excellent. He was doing a brilliant job. And only because... There was a late safety car gamble with Stroll and Kvyat. Did he really miss out on a podium in that race, frankly? So, Albon really did earn, this, earn the position to be promoted when there was one from when Gasly needed to be demoted from Rebel. Albon earned that seat then. And you're right. He had a really good 2019 season. And he's had some highs this year. He's, yeah, his, his Abu Dhabi drive was fantastic, really. really. Um, yeah, the Rebel was the class of the field. So, that probably flattered it a touch. But he was able to stay 
fighting basically even what he was a second and a half off Lewis at the end. So not bad. I know you're looking wanting at something Alvin. <laughs> Go it on. It wasn't fantastic though. I mean to be how far off was he as um, what does Shane qualify? I don't think he's been within three tenths. We've been on tracks that have been like one minute long. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I think the closest well, was Sakir just... where he was about three tenths, but Mm. Yeah, it's and Verstappen would have had bad days this year as well. We just haven't been able to see it because of how far Albon has been away. But I will say I don't think we have we we have seen the best yeah. of Albon, and I do think he should get another chance uh, at a team. I just don't think he's anywhere near ready for a top team. Uh, yeah, I'd agree with that. He has shown that this year. He has, in my opinion, he's been one of the worst drivers at a top team for probably this century I'd say you know, I think the only other contender would be Massa at Ferrari when he was Alonso's teammate Luca Badur I was about to say Luca Badur he, was, he yeah, wasn't well, great in fact, Ferrari were a top team that season <laughs> Kim, Kimi Raikkonen at Ferrari kind of over in his second spell no way that's an interesting that's conversation it. for the off season is who would you rate mm. better at Ferrari Raikkonen or Massa we don't need to go into that now well, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's a shame, really, because we mean we're not going to be going to be able to talk about Albon for probably another year. So, what's this podcast going to be about, Nigel? Yeah, How are you going to have anything to talk to about? Nineteen other drivers. Did you see that <laughs> test that Albon that. did in the simulator? Just me ranted about Albon. <laughs> I mean, yeah, especially if, if for whatever reason Hamilton doesn't sign resign with Mercedes. Oh. Well, what then? What happens then? Yeah. <laughs> We have to talk about 18 of the drivers. Yeah. Uh, Albon could have gone to Alpha Tauri. Some people think he should have. Instead, it is Yuki Sonoda who will take uh, that seat. He'll take Danica Fiat's seat next year. Uh, Sonoda, for me, was the well, he was the, rookie, the F2 rookie of the year. He, he was given that award and he was in the standings, I think. But he was a long stretch ahead of Schumacher and Arlott for me. Uh, yeah, do you think it's too early for Sonoda to be promoted to F1? His rise has been pretty good, hasn't it? Japanese F4, uh, FIA F3, F2, F1. And then presumably, apparently, what they want him in Red Bull for 2022. So, <laughs> wow. What, is he going to win the championship in 2023? So, this guy, he's yes. got, they've got faith in him. They've got more faith in him than a Red Bull. I remember Red Bull having in a driver for a long time. Not since their glory days of 2014-15 promoting Verstappen, really, have they had this much faith in a driver. Maybe when they had faith, they had a lot of faith in Kvyat as well, and that sort of has finally fallen off. So um, I'm tentative to shout about it because we haven't seen it yet. But I think Red Bull have had faith in drivers in the past and it's, it's gone pretty well for them. So hopefully it can deliver for Sonoda because he has, as you say, had a really good F2 season. He's got three poles and three wins, I think. And mm -hmm. as a rookie, that's really good. The rookie of the year in 2019 was Granny Joe, who got one pole and he was rookie of the year. So well done, Yuki Sonoda. You've done much better than the year before in F2. And he's older than you, Freddie, as well, isn't he? <laughs> he's, he's younger than me. He's oh, a 2000 he born. Um, as a 99 baby myself, I have found a great really hair. Younger, I mean, Lando Norris is younger than me. I had to deal with this years ago, so I don't cry to sleep anymore. 
It's all right, Nigel. It's all right, Nigel. We only talk about Freddie Rage every time we mention his Twitter in every episode. But yeah, yeah. it's fine. Um, yeah, Adam, if you was the Alpha, if you was in charge of Alpha Tower, would you have taken Albon or Sonoda? I, as as much as I like Albon, it's it's not there as a it, it's not there as a Red Bull reserve team. It's there to give drivers who they think can do well at Red Bull an opportunity to get onto the grid to acclimatise and then go into the top team and then win races and championships. So having Albon and Gasly go back down would have just been completely, you know, against what the point is of the team, really. And so, yeah, I, I think Sonoda is the best decision. I think take a driver while they're hot. You know, you don't know. In, in sport and F1, you know, we've seen over this year and last year in F2, you know, nothing's really certain. And all it takes is, you know, a few bad races, a bad season, and, you know, you've completely dropped off, you know, like Guangzhou, yeah. who we already mentioned. So I think it's absolutely the right decision. There's always, I think, trying to plot out his future you know, kind of 2022, 23 seems extremely, um, I just can't think of the word, but, you know, it feels like too soon to be doing that. Yeah, it's because you don't know how drivers are going to adapt to F1 and you don't know how they're going to adapt to new cars. And so, yeah, I think all of that should be taken away, really. And he's going in a really tough team environment against Pierre Gasly. You know, that's not, you know, that was about to be a fire, if ever there was one. And, yeah, I, I think, just take that pressure off. Just look at his performances and judge, you know, look at his benchmark in, in Melbourne and then look at where he is, you know, in five races' time, in ten races' time at the end of the season. And if he's improving consistently over that time, then that's what he should be judged on. But, yeah, absolutely the right decision. Yeah, and Alpha Tauri, the PR line for Alpha Tauri now is that it's its own team. It's not Toro Rosso. It's not the junior team. It's the sister team. So to, to have it, as you say, as a demotion is not going with the PR line that the, the, the head haunt shows at Red Bull want to see. They want to see the reason it's Alpha Tauri is to promote another brand, not just to promote the same brand twice. So Alpha Tauri realistically now needs to have more money put into it so it's on a par of Red Bull, which is what they're going for with the budget cap. That's why this rebrand has been has been um, forced through. So to have Pierre, Pierre Gasly as a leader of that team, Max Verstappen as a leader of the, of the Red Bull team, gives them sort of a two-pronged attack rather than um, a formation, basically, if that makes sense. They don't have one top team and one mid-team. They're going to hope for, they're aiming to have two top teams. So to have um, Albon go back to Alpha Tauri when that's, the, that's what they're trying to push, completely... Um, negates any of the uh, press they're trying to get, frankly. I, I, I still, I just like to say, I still don't like the fact that it's called Alpha Tauri. I much preferred it as Toro Rosso, and it was a nostalgic team, and I liked the livery, and they've been through several liveries, and it was one of the few things that was similar to the grid from when I started watching in <laughs> 07, 08, and the fact that they've changed that, and they've now got two alphas on the grid, which is confusing, and <laughs> its delivery's not as good, even though it's quite good. And yeah, I'm just not a fan of all of that. And we weren't doing the podcast when they switched the name, but I'm just using this as an opportunity to rant about that because <laughs> I don't like it at all. And yeah, not not happy. 
Just call it Minardi and be done with it. We weren't doing the podcast on the Twitch <laughs> in that name as well, but because we were Toro all Rosso. children. Just Torosso forever. Yeah. Until they sell the team. That's fine. That everyone wants that. And oh, they can yeah. do like oh, um, another team, they can do like whatever Red Bull is in German. And in, in another team they can do it like in Portuguese at Red Bull. And everyone can have different different names in different languages. And they, they basically call it the, the Red Bull Championship. Yeah. I mean yeah, on Sonoda, I think he's a massive talent because to come from Japan just two years ago into F3 and F2, to learn all the tracks, to adapt to the new culture, which is which is massive, you know, Japan to Europe. I, I don't think people would quite appreciate the differences between Japan and what we have in Europe. And yeah, like I said, on the motorsport side of things, having to learn the tracks when other people have been racing on round in Europe for four or five years. He showed he's got great pace in qualifying. He adapted to the Pirelli tyre rubber really well. He improved across the season after a slightly tricky start. I'd say I think he did make some, some mistakes early on, but I think he's a quick learner, and I, I really do think he can do something great at Alpha Tauri next year. Adam. He'll be such an asset to that team just as a person as well. Carlin this year have absolutely adored him. They've absolutely loved having him at that team. Um, he hasn't complained. He's got on with the job. He's done what he needs to do. And like you say, he's a fast learner. He's picked up. He's put the work in. He's tried to be better. He's tried to be better. He can sense, oh, I need to get these. He knows his targets and he's achieved those targets, but he's also surpassed those targets. So I think Alpha Tauri have got a pretty decent guy on their books. He's the only driver that I can think of that still has F4 points on his license, mm -hmm. on his super license, you know, that just shows how meteoric his rise has been. That's a really good point, yeah. He's very short as well. He's only five foot two, apparently, and weighs mm. 54 kilograms. That's 54 kilograms? Remarkable. 54 kilograms, yeah. Wow. I mean, that's similar to me. And I'm, I'm a stick, basically. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, I think he's going to be a fantastic prospect for, <laughs> for F1 and for Alpha Tauri. His hair must take uh, up quite a lot of his weight because he's got quite, you know, more hair. <laughs> oh, he's got like lovely hair. Or someone. So, you know, at least at least 12 kilograms of that must be just hair then. And then, you know, you've got 40 kilograms of Sonoda. And How heavy is your hair if you're taking that as the reference? You have kilograms <laughs> of hair on your head just anyway. I mean... I don't know, but I'm, my hair's not as long as his, or not as big as his. Vol voluminous? I don't know. But, yeah, you know, especially if you're only 52 kilograms, you know, if that's going to be a bit more yeah, of a... Yeah, volume. Hair volume. going to take more of your, you know, bigger proportion of your, your total weight. That's a weird tangent to go off on. Anyone else yeah. with lots of hair in F1 we want to talk about? No. Uh, I mean, Lewis has just basically revealed his massive afro. It looks great. Well, Daniel Ricciardo no, cut off all his hair. No, I nearly said something that might have not been appropriate for YouTube. Oh my but goodness! <laughs> don't hey. don't continue. Move on. Uh, yeah, move on, move on, <laughs> moving on. Let's move on uh, to Danny Kvyat. Yes, let's do that. He's gone. He's out. Danny he's finished. Kvyat. He's out Bless of F one. Yeah. Uh, thanks. I nearly skipped that. Thank goodness you you said it. Yeah, it's a shame. Oh, right. well, I, I mean, he's he's had his second chance. I guess. Well, yeah, yeah. I don't. Do you think it will be permanent? I think it will. Yeah, he'll be a I Ferrari test driver before yeah. you know it. 
after like he was in 2018. <laughs> he's done brilliant to recover from where he was at that low point when he went out of F1 the first time. Though I think he's done a pretty good job of the last two seasons. Uh, yeah, I think what he's got out of F1, you know, he's got a couple of podiums and, you know, what, five years driving overall? Um, yeah, maybe a bit more. Yeah. And, you know, if you offer that to career to a lot of people, you know, they, they take it with both hands. And, you know, as you've said, lots of drivers don't get a second chance in F1. So the fact that he's he's had that, you know, and been able to get a few more years in a podium out of it, you know, it's... It's nice for him, but equally, you know, I think there's other drivers that could use that grid spot more going forward. Maybe Alvin. So, I mean, not specifically Alpha Terry, but yeah, you know, I think, I think it feels a bit like Grosjean and Magnussen that he's had his run, but you know. Yeah, he's got a few hundred points, uh, over a hundred races, pretty good, and that's it. it. He's not. He's only 26. He's he's not got a career to be ashamed of. He's got parts of his career that obviously he regrets, but it's the way he's bounced back from those um, with his 2019-20 seasons as a fast driver. He's not let that. He's not let the issues that really did hamper him in 2017 um, and 16. He's not let them come in and completely ruin his speed that he does have that he that is there. So he's done. He's done well in his comeback, and he's a fast driver, and he definitely warranted his space in Formula One. But like you say, other people are warranting their spaces in Formula One and it's unfortunately just the end of the road for him. He had some really nice moments in Formula One. His China podium I thought was fantastic in 2016 um, where he earned himself the name Torpedo, yeah. Um, (laughs) His fastest lap in Barcelona, 2016. That was really good. I really enjoyed that. (laughs) The only fastest lap I remember is and you guys didn't have any idea about it when we did our quiz. Don't worry, um, I won't forget it after that. Because you went through 19 <laughs> drivers on the 22 driver grid or something. <laughs> Pretty much, yes. Julian Palmer. <laughs> Was it Nico Rosberg who crashed out on lap one? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he did a really first, fast first few corners. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, yeah, he'll be, he'll be missed because he's a... He's a really blindingly fast driver, but he's such an honest day driver to such a level in the fact that this year he's been able to be put to shame by Gasly. He had some really good drives once he got on top of the Alpha Tower at the end of the year, but it was way too late, way too late. If he had done that in round four or five, then he would have, been, had, a fan, he would have had a fantastic season. But unfortunately, Gasly just got on top of the car way quicker than he did. It took him to like Bahrain to get on top of this car. From the, from the looks, from the results. So, shame for him, but... Yeah, I mean, as, as you guys know, I, I think Kofiat was unlucky last year to not get the Red Bull drive ahead of Albon. Uh, I know many people won't agree with that, but oh, things could have turned out quite differently uh, if, if that did happen. But, yeah. well, don't... We don't agree with that, Nigel, mate. So I know. Yeah. Relief for you, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah Danny can feel that. I, I, think, I think you're right. I think he will be a test driver or reserve driver somewhere. So, you'll still be around in the paddock. Uh, the big news, or the other big news from Friday, as we're recording this, was that Ineos is going to be F1. Yes, the old cycling team. And uh, uh, 
the news story that gave us 3,500 views on YouTube back in <laughs> September has given us, has come back. And yeah, we're going to take a 33% stake into the Mercedes F1 team. The other 33% is Daimler and the other, and Total Wolf is the other third of the shares. Uh, yeah, I'm just reading if there's anything else to do with it. Well, uh, well precisely, Eddie Jordan was right. <laughs> Eddie Jordan predicted that they would get, that they would take a sixty percent stake in the team, and that Diamond would have like a thirty percent, and Wolf a ten percent, something like that. Um, so he's he's right in the the machinations that were the chats that were going on, but the outcome is slightly different to what he said. Uh, but that's fine. We can we can give him a hamper or something. Um, <laughs> and. Yeah, so Wolf has got a really. I think the interesting part on this is the stake in Wolf that Wolf has in the team, because yes. he. I think his stake has got a little bit bigger. So he's got a stayed for three years. I forgot to say as well. And for three <laughs> years, that's a good point. He's staying as the um, the current role for three years. So he his his um, level of importance in this team has got bigger, and his because clearly he knows his worth to Daimler, and Ineos I think really like Wolf as well from what I from the way they've got involved in this. It's Ineos, uh, Daimler and Wolf Formula 1 team, basically. Daimler have been able to cut a profit from it by selling off their shares as well, which is exactly what they want as a works Formula 1 manufacturer to keep them pretty, to keep them sweet. Because realistically, why would they stay? They've broken the record. So they're staying because they're now able to turn a profit from it. And as we go into the cost cap area of Formula 1 in a couple of weeks, then they'll be able to turn a profit from Formula 1 as well from that if yeah. the franchise is working that's the liberty buzzword i think so I mean, it works works for everyone this deal i think yeah i think so i think it's 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 good um as much as i think the little red ineos patch on the uh, mercedes car looks a bit naff um beggars can't be choosers it's good for the history of it's good for the future of formula one really i like the little red stripe the yeah. beggars can be choosers a little, little. <laughs> okay i'm not don't kind of class either of us as beggars, really. But I'm going to go begging later. Okay. Adam, what are your thoughts on uh, the leader of Ineos, Sir John? Is it Ratcliffe? Yeah. Jim Ratcliffe. Yeah. <laughs> Should uh, I not have asked that? <laughs> I, I mean, it, it's. I like that he bought Team Sky and allowed that to continue, and they've been a success this year and look to be more of a British team than they were in the last few years of of being. Sky because they've got some good riders coming through and you know equally he's buying into British success in F1 and allowing that to continue I think on the flip side he's a big Brexiteer and he you know campaigned for it and now he's got this Grenadier vehicle that they're building and they've switched it to making it in France rather than in you know Wales South Wales one of the areas that has been hit by declining coal industry over the um, last few years and that will be probably hit hardest by Brexit and it's just annoys me really because it's not yeah. putting your money where your mouth is at all it's the same with Dyson but this isn't the winging it Brexit podcast this is the winging it one podcast <laughs> yeah. if you had That's a Brexit podcast if you had a Brexit podcast called winging it that would be supporting the government really <laughs> I mean, we're not going to get been the strategy to be honest yeah. I, I've I've ranted to Adam about Brexit quite a few times, I think, in the past. Um, Did it over a table tennis match. Oh, yeah. That was fun. <laughs> yeah, um, mutual who, who, who won the match? 
No. Uh, I don't play with points because I'm that bad. So Adam just hits things. Don't, you don't me play with sometimes the table either, back. to be honest. Yeah, but that's more fun. <laughs> it is. It is. To be fair, it gets the calories going a bit more. Um, <laughs> Build up a sweat. Yeah. Petronas <laughs> will be will remain as the team's title partner. So. Which is interesting, considering they're both mm. chemicals companies. Um, yeah, that's what I thought as well. Yeah. Um, but so that is interesting in terms of the wider future. If if we're going to become a corporate podcast now, interesting in the wider future of Petronas and Ineos. As a as separate entities in themselves, maybe they'll partnership partner globally. And because Petronas realistically is quite an Asian company, and Ineos, like you say, is quite a British company. Um, so Ineos is rolling out a bit more of their um, PR. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see an Ineos Petronas partnership in a couple of years' time. But to be honest, I'm not that fast. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think the good news for F1 is that. Mercedes, it looks like, at least for the medium, maybe even long term, Mercedes will remain because I think there was a lot of rumours, speculation that Mercedes would drop everything and Total Wolf, you know, would, would even leave his role. But he's going to stay a few more years. So I think that's good, great for F1. And mm. I, think, I think Total Wolf, he's probably the person in the paddock who's gained the most respect, probably gained the most money mm. uh, <laughs> yeah. over the last. 10, 10 years, he really has just zoomed up the F1 ladder. He's done some incredible things on, on and off the track with, with Mercedes. It's probably between him and Lauda, both at yeah. Mercedes. So, yeah, and the other piece of news that will hopefully follow this is Lewis Hamilton announcing that he's re-signing at Mercedes because, you know, from everything oh, we've he heard... Announced that? No, I, I hope not. If he has, then I'm going to look silly. But, you know, what, what he'd been... Has he? I don't think he has, no. I don't think he's, I don't, announced. Okay. I don't think he's yeah. announced now, but I think you're right, Adam. I think he would have been waiting for these talks to play yeah. out because then he knows yeah. who to talk to. Maybe he can cut a salary from Ratcliffe. Everything we've been hearing was Wolf's future was quite a big part of his decision to stay at Mercedes. So, you know, kind of we talk, you know, you'd, you'd hear, you know, the TV um, coverage, you know, they talk to Wolf and he'd say, oh yeah, I definitely expect to be at Mercedes and, you know, Lewis would say the same thing, but it kind of all felt a bit, you know, was it just lip service? So I think, you know, possibly the biggest thing to come out of this will be that Hamilton will re-sign now, maybe for three years. Who knows? I think for three years seems the logical idea, really. If Wolf's staying for three, Hamilton would hopefully stay for three. I think it'd be very nice for him to stay with this team that has committed to Formula One now, and they will definitely commit to him, I think. So I think that's good for... Mercedes, good for Hamilton, good for Daimler, good for Ineos, good for Wolf, good for them all, not good for Lawrence Stroll, who definitely wanted Toto Wolf in Aston Martin. Yes. There we go. Uh, so that's the big, big news that's out of the way. The other news Williams have appointed uh, Josca Pito, who used to be the Volkswagen WRC team. What a name that is. He worked uh, in McLaren as well a few years ago for a bit. Yeah. So like new CEO Williams. Uh, brilliant, I love that. That's a good or bad thing, I guess we'll have to see. It, I think it's pretty good. They've kept Simon Roberts. He's now official team principal as well, which I think is the more important announcement, really, because Simon Roberts, um, he's been with the team all this, basically most of this year as interim team principal, and it keeps the continuity, and they know what they're doing for 2021 and 2022, really. So keeping the faith in Williams um, is good from the new ownership, frankly, from... Doralton Capital had to think about that. Couldn't remember at all who they were. 
Um, one of the most innocuous names of an ownership, but there we are. I think, yeah, keep the faith in Williams. Hopefully we can see Williams progress a little bit more. It's realistically going to be the same for 2021, isn't it? The same cars, basically. But for 2022, hopefully, fingers crossed, we can get a decent car from Williams. I mean, Josh Capito, when he was at WRC, he was utterly dominant with Volkswagen and Sebastian Ogier. They won three titles in a row. He was a bit, what's the word? He had some interesting views on WRC, I'll say that, uh, which... Hopefully he won't bring it to F1, but he's a yeah, he's got a lot of experience. As you said, Benny, he's been with McLaren, although he was he joined when there was a whole Ron Dennis saga going on. So I think it's a good move for, for Williams to to bring him into the team and I think we will we will only see how he does, uh, how well he can do and how how much how poor, how how much he can bring bring the team forward in I think it's a very interesting signing I think it's a very interesting signing in terms of the way Doralton have gone about um, working with the team as their investors because they could have easily just gone in with a corporate mindset but they've really delved into the world of motorsport and have found Jos Capito and have got him into this role and I think they've not gone for a name they've gone for a, they've got a half name really if you will Capito and so they've, they've got the other half Jos yeah, the other half is Yost, but um, as in, like, he's not like it's not like they've gone out and gone, let's go and hire uh, Rory Byrne or someone like that and just put someone really massive at the top of the team. They've gone and got someone who's got experience and got success, but also has really got a really good understanding and really good work and really good worth for that success. So I think it's a really good move from Doralton in the way for the future of Williams as well. Yeah. Uh, I've got nothing to say on this. I have opinions. Okay, yeah. Sometimes we don't always have opinions in, on everything. Ineos and Torosso, so you know, I'll take the back seat <laughs> yeah. for this one. Uh, the F1 calendar has been given a green light by the FAA and the World Motorsport Council this week. Uh, the big thing from it was that Brazil, or now the Sao Paulo Grand Prix, has now got a five year deal to remain at Interlagos. It's a track that many people. Love, I guess so. Good thing for F1, Adam. I yeah, I think it's a brilliant thing for F1 because new trucks aren't coming onto the calendar that are like Interlagos, and you know, I, I it's one of my favourite tracks, possibly my favourite track of of the calendar. And yeah, I'm, I'm just re- yeah, really happy for it to be to be back on the calendar and for five years. You know, that that's yeah. massive. It's not puts to bed, you know, some of the short-term things. And, you know, a, a lot of a lot of things about F1 will have changed, you know, in the next five years. So, yeah, it's, it's I'm really happy to see that. I think that's my favourite news of the week, actually, um, that that's, <laughs> that's come through. I concur. It's excellent. Great track. Love it. Yeah. Uh, the calendar or the season will start in Australia on the 21st of March. And Melbourne does plan to have fans there. March, hopefully that does happen, and it is going to be the longest F1 season ever, with 23 races, which is too many, what is going to happen, uh, and uh, Lots of podcasts, April, yeah. yeah, 46 podcasts, <laughs> oh, <laughs> to be exact, to be fair, yeah. had 40, this is what, episode 45, so, yeah, yeah. Wow. incredible, uh, mm. stay tuned for all 46, uh, 
you, if yeah. you watch and listen to them all, you won't get a sticker, but you can make <laughs> one if you want. Uh, yeah, actually, I'll get someone a sticker if they listen to them all. Okay, Adam will get you. Adam, can I have a sticker? <laughs> what? Can I have a sticker, please? <laughs> Not including the people in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, more track news is that Catalonia is going to change turn 10, which is, for those who don't know, at the end of the back straight, the left hand hairpin. Well, it won't, that it would, it would have been the left hand hairpin. They said they're going to go the longer way around, which is what Motel GP used. They're going to do it because of safety concerns but in a way i think it makes things better almost because there's now going to be gravel i think on the outside rather than a big tarmac runoff i think if i'm, if I'm thinking about it right so, safety concerns that's what they said yeah that's the reason they're changing it is because of safety concerns. that's what i read so is it safer for the cars to carry on going at a higher speed there than it is to go I know, slower that's what i thought as well uh, well i'll tell you what freddie i will Try to talk very slowly so I can find an article and read you the quote. So. <laughs> that's, that's okay. That's okay. Why are you doing that? Adam, what do you think about changed... other team names? Why haven't they changed the <laughs> hair, uh, not hairpin, um, chicane at the end of the lap? Because to me, it feels like if you're going to make a track change, well, I mean, ideally you'd do both and then you'll have a really nice section, you know, from about turn seven all the way to the you know, the chicane at the end of the home straight. But, yeah, just what, why have they not changed that? It's what everyone has been calling for. And, yeah, it just makes the lap so much better, especially with this change. I don't think this change is a good thing, though. It's a step. And yeah. it shows that hopefully they are listening to people and they're not just like, oh, well, Catalonia is a boring race. But, hey, we're fine with that. I think, yeah, to me, it seems like they're actually trying to change some of it. So that's a good thing. It feels like well, they keep that chicane in there so they can be a testing track and so they can keep getting F1 to come there in, in um, February and March so they can say they can get revenue then as well as in um, May for the Grand Prix. But then testing's going to Bahrain this year anyway, so they've change failed. Change it for the race. Well, just change it for the race weekend. That you know, a, a, it would be better for teams, you know, for there to be a bit of difference in the track so that, you know, it's not exactly the same. You know, it's, and it's not difficult to do. It would turn it to a cool high-speed track. Oh, yeah. It would be you exciting to watch the cars there. You would, yeah, you'd get the cars to be able to follow going around the back of the track. Yeah. And then be rather than being track. separated in the wash from a really fiddly, slow box of a bit of track, <laughs> they, can just, they can go into like a nice flow really fast into the straight and then be side by side for the majority of the straight. Mansell and Senna going side by side. It didn't, that didn't happen out of DRS or any, or any chicane. It happened because they were able to follow through the, through the fast sweeping corners like you can in Mugello, in Silverstone, um, parts of Spa. So, Parabolica. So, it's that kind of mindset they don't have in Spain because they're being stubborn. It's two Mansell and Bruno Senna. Good. <laughs> Christian yeah, Mansell, British F4 driver. Fast corners that lead onto a straight where you can go flat out is what creates good racing. We saw it in Portimao as well, because when the car in front is turning, they're scrubbing off speed or there's a car behind because they're in the slipstream. They, they gain speed, so it like, exacerbates the run you get if you're behind. Whereas a slow corner, the car behind is always going to get onto, get onto the power later, which is the exact problem with Catalonia. 
But yeah, it is safety concerns, is what they said. They said the change will allow for an extension of the runoff at the turn, thus increasing the safety distance, and it will also lead to the return of origins layout. Yeah, it's the layout in 1991 when they started yeah. there, but they don't care about that because they haven't done it on the other side of the track. So, two fingers <laughs> to them. Yeah, I think it's to also help the bikes as well, apparently. Although I just don't know why for them. MotoGP just, well, they've been using MotoGP use it anyway, don't they? Ages. Yeah. So, it's a bit of a strange one. Uh, but like, like you guys, I don't think it's going to really change anything. If anything, it'll make it worse because now they've kind of got rid of an overtake. One of the, yeah. I know we didn't see too many overtakes there anyway. They've extended the braking distance. Now, the braking distance will be a lot shorter. They'll have extended the DRS zone at least by 100, 200 metres, yeah, I guess. True. But um, it's still going to be a narrow bit of track. And it's kind of a bit like spoon curve, where you can't really get alongside to get an overtake unless you're really alongside. Spoon at Suzuka, that is. And um, yeah. which means that it would be perfect to set it up to go around the loop at the back. But it hasn't because it's not there. So, ugh. We're not, mm. I think... I think um, rather than now we don't have Alex Albon to lambast every week we should t- lambast Barcelona every week yeah so we, won't get, we won't get paddock passes when we all become top F1 journalists in 10 years <laughs> yes, just, just for Barcelona though yeah get to every <laughs> other track then Bar- Barcelona will just have to sit in a hotel and watch it on the team we'll be in the, a car park opposite this, opposite doing like <laughs> <laughs> doing our reports I mean, Freddie's already had a paddock pass in Barcelona, so... Oh, yeah. I have. It was me, great. Me and Nigel are behind, really. You can literally see the Ibis Hotel where we picked them up from the paddock. So you can just go to the hotel. So it's fine. Ooh. Interesting. Uh, Top tip for you people who want Freddy to go Schultz. to Catalonia. Yeah. Insider yeah. information. Uh, so that is nearly everything on this podcast. Adam has... Wanted wants to talk about sports personality of the year because Lewis Hamilton is one of the six contenders on Sunday live on BBC One at eight o'clock. I think uh, I don't. If I was voted, which I'm not going to, I wouldn't vote for him personally. Which I'm so. All right, Ronnie O'Sullivan fan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> uh, yeah, Adam, what, what, what do you want to say on Hamilton and? Sports I, mean, I, I like Spotty anyway, especially since when they had like 16 people on the shortlist and they'd have to do yeah. like Lewis Hamilton with Charlotte Desjardins on like <laughs> together. That was a bit that was a bit of a strange one. Um, so now they've slimmed it down, I like it a lot more. I, I think he should win. He's, he's finished fourth, uh, second, sorry, he's finished second four times in Spotty. And he's won once. Um, but yeah, I just... I, I would vote for him, and I will vote for him. I think he should win, really. I mean, Stuart Broad has had a good year, but, you know, it's, team sports tend, tend to do less well. Than, Stuart Broad's uh, 150 well, to 1 to win. Mm. Jordan Henderson, I can see maybe getting some. Holly Doyle, yeah. I don't know anything about. Holly uh, Doyle is a good jockey. She's a very good her. jockey. He's done very well this year in a very difficult year as a jockey. But and she's mm. she's second favourite to win after Hamilton actually. Um, I just checked oh, right. the odds now. And I second, Fury would be Fury and yeah. Henderson are both twenty five to one on Skybet. This is right. Stuart Broad is one hundred and fifty to one. Ronnie O'Sullivan's ten to one. Holly Doyle nine to four. Lewis Hamilton one to two. I mean he's nearly nailed on favourite as Hamilton there. I'd say so. I mean, I, I've got the one thing I want. Well, not worry because it doesn't 
not really a worry. But in 2009, when Jensen Button won the World Championship, he should have won Spotted that year, but instead it went to Ryan Giggs. And, and I think the same thing might happen here with all, all the Liverpool fans will, will vote for Henderson. Henderson might end up winning it, even though it might not be the right thing, and Hamilton should really win it. Because I think if you look at if you look at performances and the achievements this year, you're right, Adam Hamilton should win it. I, I, I've got a sneaking suspicion that Henderson might, <laughs> might end up grabbing it. I'd, I'd agree, but also Hamilton isn't Button. He's a lot higher yeah. profile. So it's, I think that will I think that true. will kind of, you know, it's different different levels, really. Damon Hill won it twice. So yeah. If Damon <laughs> and, Hill and can win it twice, even in 1994, <laughs> then... I mean, I don't know what that says about the British British sport in the 90s, but Damon Hill had that kind of star quality in the UK as a motorsport driver that I think is comparable, to, way comparable to what Hamilton has now because Hamilton's even bigger now, way bigger than what Hill ever was. And Hill well, was Britain, massive in the UK, massive. Team so, GB won one gold medal at Atlanta 96 Olympics. So I think that might put into perspective a bit of what British sport... Well, for Christie. No, it was the rowing. I think Steve oh, Rowe I don't know if individual or with pincer or whatever. No, that's canoeing, I think. Yeah, I did some uh, canoeing. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I, he should win. And I think with all the off-track stuff that he's done this year with True. Black Lives Matter and coronavirus, I think that should raise, I think that should raise his profile a bit. And yeah, I, I think maybe oh. more, more neutrals might be voting for that as well. He, he, he should win. He really should. He's won I it didn't twice, think about that, actually, Adam. I think you, you've raised a good point there. I, I retract my statement from before. Vote Hamilton. <laughs> so who, who were you planning to vote for then, before? Ronnie. <laughs> I'm not, no, why did I ask? I shouldn't have had to ask. I mean, he has yeah. had a good snooker year. Mm. I mean, like he's never, he, this is the first time he's been nominated. He's, he's been around for 25 years, top of the game. World number one, one to six world titles, and this is the first time he's even been nominated. I think. He but he's no be. Steve Davis in the eyes of the British public, is he? He he might yeah, get a gig. Yeah, he is better than Steve Davis. Because <laughs> when Giggs won it, it it felt a bit like a kind of career win rather than of the year. Yeah, not so he, that, yeah. He he might get something like that. To be fair, I don't know. It's. It I feel like they, they haven't included Marcus Rashford because he would have walked it. Oh yeah. Because he's yeah, got his well, own yeah, special prize, hasn't he? Yeah, I think... He's just got person of the year, be. basically. Yeah. Which is all, all fair enough <laughs> to him. So, um, yeah. like they've, they've, li- they've limited it to sporting achievement, to be fair to them. Um, mm. Yeah. Oh. You were going to say something, Nigel? Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, Ronnie's meant to... If he wins tonight in the semi-final, he'll be playing a snooker match on Sunday night at like 9, 10 o'clock. So it'll be really interesting if he gets to the top three, how, how that'll work. Because <laughs> he'd usually do a live video feed. So he'll be like be, there. Oh, BBC will probably have the rights like, to it. Ronnie so O'Sullivan, they'll just go like... <laughs> and then I'll be so like, really like, to the final. <laughs> you have Gabby Logan stood next to him just... In 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 the wherever they're doing this yeah. game, just Milton like Gabby, they'll be standing Gabby. there going, "Hello, hello, Ronnie, how's it going?" And Ronnie would be there, grunting like he, he doesn't like interviews, does he? He's just there, just going like looking like mm, in his waistcoat, and he then in the red. Yeah. Well, no, they should they should like as he's lining up, they just put it on the table in front of where he's lining up the shot. <laughs> <laughs> so like pat and then yeah, go through it. But I thought the 
other interest. I, I was considering doing a spotty special quiz before I decided I couldn't be bothered and I had a essay, not essay, assessment due in for uni, so I couldn't. And none but, of us knew the rest. Yeah, but do you know the other motorsports that have placed in the top three for spotty since its inception in 54? As in not Formula One? Yes. Okay. Jonathan Ray, a couple of years ago. Yeah. Oh, cool. Superbike. Rather than the... He should have been nominated this year. Stormer. Oh, has um, Colin McRae won it? Yes. No, uh, not won, but, he, oh, but he's top in the three, top so three. WRC. Yeah. Um, um, I don't know. British F3. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, <laughs> that was a big one. No, it's um, Carts, which is a bit of a cheap one, but it's because Mansell was doing that when he... Oh, well, BTCC, I guess. Top three. But the other interesting one was... Um, Isle of Man TT? No, Speedway. That's it. Oh. Speedway got two second places with a Kiwi. Someone Briggs in like the 60s. And I do think Ty Woofenden should have been nominated for it, yeah. especially when they were like giving it out to everyone and their dog who like done a sporting event. I think he should have <laughs> had a nomination, but it's just too small. I agree. Yeah. I thought that. I, I thought they, they, sh- they could have easily got 10 people this year. And they normally do do 10, I think. So. I yeah, think they've been trying to slim it down since 2018. They, they, kind have, of... they, they used to have like 12 or 15 nominations and spent yeah. the whole night doing like five minute interviews. Um, yeah. And that... I think this weighs a lot better. Yeah. It becomes like the first league of strictly. Was... If this year you had the Olympics, I feel they would have had 10. Yeah, I think in Olympic years you should probably broaden it out a bit. But yeah, it's. Mm. I think it's quite a decent middle ground now. Yeah, it is a Harry massive, massive award yeah. though in the UK. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is properly huge, and I like the fact that Hamilton turned up to it the last few years as well, because it went through a spell where kind of half the athletes wouldn't actually turn yeah. up; they just do a video. Andy thing. Murray. <laughs> yeah, I remember Andy Murray went coming third or something, and he was in like a training camp in like Lanzarote, and someone was going to hand yeah. it to him, and they were standing next to each other, and they said, "And now we present this to Andy Murray," and he had it on the table in front of him. And the person forgot to hand it to him. So Andy Murray picked so it up awkward. and gave it to the person to hand to him. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was brilliant. <clears throat> that was the year people found yeah. out Andy Murray had a personality. <laughs> when he lost Wimbledon. Yeah. And then he did one in the personality of the year award after that. So he's <laughs> yeah. so the highest, he's won the most spotties, which seems. I don't know. It seems strange to me, but anyway. It's a very interesting award because it seems to really definitely go to individual sports, despite team sports being the bigger sports. In... Also, like... Oh, and cycling, Chris... I guess, the team a bit. But, like, Chris Froome's not... Um... Chris Froome's never kind of... I don't think he's placed in the top three. Or he's, he's... you know, like... Yeah, his Cavendish has got it. Garrett Thomas has got it. Wiggins has yeah. got it. Yeah. I think it is massively on kind of the connection people feel to the... Mm to the athletes up there rather than necessarily achievement which is why the phrase personality is so important it's so yeah. ridiculous as a championship because like it does the, the ones who have been nominated have all been outstanding in their fields Ronnie O'Sullivan uh, Lewis Hamilton Tyson Fury um, <laughs> and all of that they've been all outstanding in their fields so <laughs> alright I'll name the other three Holly Doyle uh, Jordan Henderson and Stuart Broad um, Managed to stall enough to Google it. <laughs> I didn't Google it actually. 
Um, I remembered it, but I just couldn't be bothered. I couldn't, I couldn't remember Stuart Broad. And um, so, yeah, they've all been outstanding in their field and all deserve the nomination. And then the next step is to win over the public, really, which is the hard bit. Yeah. Uh, this is the Wing of the F1 podcast, by the way. Still not sport. This is not the sports personality gear podcast. Oh, loads of podcasts. Oh, let's speak about it for longer then. Alex Albon was only told about the about the decision just a few hours ago. Oh, like, no. That didn't, didn't surprise oh. me, to be honest. I mean, Jody and Palmer found out in autosport, so this is the way of the world, isn't it? Um, yeah. yeah. So, did, how did Ericsson find out? Ericsson? So no drive to survive were following him when he lost his seat. But I think he I just... They locked the door. Just um, <laughs> to be honest, that didn't really surprise me. Like, not, he didn't really... That says yeah, a lot about Red Bull. <laughs> I think it, yeah, it, it says like, a lot about Perez, really. Did they, when did they, did they tell... Has, does Perez know? Like, what, what can Albert do? It's, it's not like he's in a position to look at other seats in F1 teams. So, True. and, you know, it's just more chance of him giving it away or letting slip or, you know, just, you know, would he have had that drive in Abu Dhabi if he'd known that he was doomed beforehand or you know, did the fact that he thought he was driving for his seat, you know, raise his game a little bit. I, did he raise his game when he thought he had his seat? Because I think going into the Abu Dhabi weekend, we all thought Albon was nailed on for that seat. And it was only really on Sunday night that the rumours started to spill back towards Perez. So I kind of think Albon maybe was driving that weekend with a bit more security in his mind. But it's, he shouldn't be going and looking for a team now after, the, after he's lost his seat. He should have been He's speaking to other teams to all year, to be honest. Because if you, if you, even if, if you haven't got a contract, you should be talking to as many people as you can. That's just how it is. That's what me and Freddie and I Perez did. was told quite a while ago, though. So to only tell Albon this morning is a bit... I'm, I'm, I'm not, not a fan of that, because I think Perez is known for at least a few days. But yeah, that's what's happened. Uh, yeah. Do we want to carry on talking about sports personality? Yeah, I'm more than happy to. <laughs> I think I've said it. I, I vote Hamilton. Is yeah, really vote Hamilton. I, I, I think his achievements on and off the, or inside and outside of the sporting arena have been superb this season and that deserves an award. And as over his whole career, he deserves more than one win because of his longevity and continued excellence in the field. So vote for Hamilton. Absolutely. Precisely. If you don't care about his... Um, sporting achievements or anything look at what he's done as Adam says off the track it's been fantastic just absolutely brilliant all year round before the season during the season and it will undoubtedly continue postseason into everything that happens in his life to come it's fantastic and I think Lewis Hamilton is one of the greatest sports people of all time from the United Kingdom definitely the world definitely. so I'd say some point down the line Definitely, we're going to have a podcast discussing different sports because I'm good at that. Um, so when you guys go on about, I know some golfer from 20 years ago, I will really know what I'm talking about. Ironically, golf's one of the sports that I wouldn't be able to talk about <laughs> or 20 years ago or anything. But <laughs> continue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that has been the Wing F1 podcast, and we will have. A two-part season review coming That's next week with with guests. 
You would always guess me. Well, you, if you're listening to this and you haven't been contacted, <laughs> expect a message from Freddie or Adam any time, any minute now. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, we quite we're, we're looking over your shoulder, waiting for you to get to this bit of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we should also say, get well soon to Frank Williams as well. He's in yes. hospital in a stable condition. Hopefully, uh, he recovers quickly. But I think apart from that, we have to say, Goodbye, and we'll see you next time. Yeah, thanks very much for listening. See you. Thank you, everyone. Have a good Christmas. Bye.